Welcome back to Out of the Bubble. My name is Rachel Peru, and you are now joining the fourth series of Out of the Bubble podcast. I can't believe in the last two years I've interviewed over 40 women, and I now have another jam packed lineup full of inspiring women, all with a story to tell. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. This week's guest is the first podcast that I ever listened to. Sarah Tasker is a force to be reckoned with, and her journey to get to where she is with over 200,000 followers on Instagram has been quite impressive. She is, she is, you probably know her as me and Orla on Instagram and social media. She's also the podcast host of Hashtag Authentic, and I have listened to all 90-odd podcasts um, that she's done so far, and she's also the author of Hashtag Authentic. She helps people find their creativity and be able to build and connect with other people and make make their like-minded group find their tribe and ways to increase that and build a community so I love the fact that she shares all her knowledge and expertise with other people and wants to be able to see other people grow just like she did and she really does have an inspiring story to tell so thank you so much Sarah for joining me today I'm super excited as I said in my introduction to have you on because you were literally the the reason why I started podcasting and I you know I've listened to all of your hashtag authentic podcasts or 90 something of them all wow (laughs) so welcome to the podcast I really appreciate you being here today thank you for having me I did come and talk to you at an Enterprise Collective um, event. I came to listen to one of your speeches there. And yes. you know, your story has, has really kind of stayed with me ever since listening to it, which is why I really wanted you on the podcast. It's such a kind of journey you've been on. Where do you start with it? How do you explain <laughs> where, you, where you've ended up and how you've got to it? Well, so the short version of my story, I guess, is... I was working in the NHS um, in speech therapy, got pregnant with my child Orla and while I was sort of on maternity leave, every day felt so momentous, there was so much change happening. So I made this decision to start an Instagram account, just posting a photo every day of these momentous but tiny moments like her tiny little baby grows drying on the radiator or like Mm. the cake I managed to actually bake despite having a newborn baby. and that really was the catalyst for everything so it really quickly grew I think my ambition was to have a thousand followers by the end of the year but by April I was at something like 30,000 um just amazing yeah just astonishing and to me like I had no self-belief I had unbeknownst to me I had a chronic health condition I had no diagnosis at that point so I just thought I was incredibly lazy and pathetic and I really genuinely just hated myself really and this experience of kind of building this audience and was also kind of a way for me to get to know myself as well as other people getting to know me and gradually it evolved so now we are well my daughter's seven so I guess we're seven years on and it's my full-time job it's a multiple six-figure business it employs my husband full-time we also have some amazing freelancers all over the world who work with us I sell courses teaching people how to use social media to it's really to find an audience online and also to find themselves because I feel like that's what happened for me yeah, and you are so supportive of people that are using their creativity to, to build their online community, which I think is really important. You did have this kind of photography love from quite a young age, though, didn't you? This is not something that suddenly came around. You'd always had it in your life as a, from the teenage years. 
Yeah, even younger, actually. I remember thinking as a child all the time, I wish I could take pictures with my eyes because I would see things that were so magical or so beautiful around me and want to, to capture them. Um, but if I did pick up a camera, I could never get it to reflect exactly what it was I was seeing in real life. And then into my teens and then into my 20s, like always had a camera. I was always the annoying friend that was like, no, we need to get pictures of all the things. And as the technology gradually evolved, kind of keeping up with that. So I was, I had a little blog and I was taking pictures for that when I first kind of went into this maternity leave and this project. But what changed was I had, I was using like a DSLR, like a big digital camera. And because I was pregnant and also because my camera was rubbish and old and my computer was knackered, I decided to just use my iPhone. And back then iPhones were like not the cameras that they are today. So I gave myself all that constraint and said, how can I still be creative, but just keep it really simple and something I can do every day. And I mean, you obviously you started off small with knowing no kind of knowledge of how this could take off. How difficult has it been to adapt to that process of going from just having a thousand followers on Instagram, which in itself is a huge achievement to suddenly getting, and it was really quite overnight to suddenly getting 35,000 followers. How difficult was it to adapt to that? Yeah, it is. It's a strange process. Like it's been strange at every stage. And I think it's very easy to always think, oh, well, when I get to 100K, when I get to 200K, then I'll feel valid or then I'll feel better about myself and I'll believe in myself more. And of course, there is no number. Well, I'm at like 220K and I've not found it yet. So I'm beginning to suspect there is no number. Um, and so then it's, it's about having that belief in yourself is kind of stopping outsourcing it stopping expecting everyone else to give you the boost and the belief that you need and finding it within yourself but I do think that Instagram and I'm quite openly will say like that endorsement that public endorsement was the boost I needed to get started because I always thought no one cares and like I was taking pictures I remember talking to a boyfriend I used to have and uh, everyone seemed to like my photos in my life so I was like oh I'm gonna see if this local cafe will let me sell some because they were selling like local artists work and he mm. really told me not to he was like don't know you're gonna let yourself down you'll be really disappointed you'll make a bit of a fool of yourself so I didn't yeah and what Instagram gave me was like okay like some people might still think that but look here's 35,000 or 100,000 people who disagree who think that what what I'm sharing is worth their time and if those people exist in the world I can always find them and that is a message for every creative really isn't it yeah and that's what you've had I know it's a cliche but that's what you talk about so it's finding your tribe isn't it and finding those people that are like-minded which and I completely relate to that because if I look back now you know if I'd have been suggesting to my ex-husband that I was going to do modeling he would have just laughed his head off and said you know get back in your box <laughs> whereas <laughs> yeah. finding finding the right people to connect with just give you that extra push and that extra self-belief don't they which you do yeah, get through like instagram if you surround yourself with people who believe in you and appreciate you it becomes a bit easier to believe in yourself and appreciate yourself and i think that's what we're really talking about here the internet yeah. thankfully makes it easier for those of us who haven't got those people at the or i didn't at the time have them in my immediate life and are you okay with owning what you do now? Are you comfortable? Are you at a stage now where you are really comfortable and you can say, yeah, this is what I've achieved. This is what I'm good at. Oh, good question. I guess, like, I think it changes depending mm. on my mood and how much sleep I've had. Um, yes, but I, what I am very aware of is like to people within our world, I can talk about what I've achieved and I think it makes sense and it has gravity, but I could go and, you know, meet some big, 
London businessman in his power suit in his shiny office and none of it would mean anything to them. So again, like success is still just as relative as everything else. And it has to be about, am I proud of what I've put out into the world rather than like, does it measure up to anyone else's standards? And how did you take the decision to kind of expand because you were doing so well with your photography and you were writing more and you were blogging so then how did you kind of get to the point where you thought actually well I'm going to share this on a podcast oh um it just felt really I think I was just following my interest that's all I ever do with my business is I'm very much guided by what's interesting and what's challenging to me and I think the podcasting I remember I was driving my daughter to school and back every day and listening to lots and lots of podcasts and sometimes I'd turn the podcast off and like just do my own podcast in my head think about all the things that I would say if I had a podcast but I would at that point I was like I'm too frightened I would never do it like it would be too hard and as soon as I spot myself thinking anything like that I'm always like guess we're gonna have to do it then (laughs) so I set myself this challenge of making the podcast I think I was just gonna do it for like six weeks or something at first and then loved it so now we're on like episode 90 or something yeah and you are I mean I I I confess to having a real anxiety around driving especially since I've been going through the menopause I've really struggled with it and there is something about your voice Sarah that Sarah that really (laughs) kind of soothes me and calls me so whenever I'm going on a long journey I always listen to your podcast so thank you for keeping me company (laughs) How nice. How nice that I get to hang out with you. And do you know, like, this is how stupid we are to ourselves because I had a hang up about my voice. That was my biggest thing. I thought I sound like a squeaky 12 year old. No one's going to want to hear my voice. I can't possibly have a podcast. And do you know, that is the, the one of the most common bits of feedback I get is like some people put their babies to sleep to the sound of my voice. Yes. It's so something beautiful about it. It's very calming. We're not always, we're not always the best judges of ourselves. However no. much we think we are. No, absolutely. And but how did you get? So you you've had these fears about doing things and stepping out of your comfort zone. So what are your tricks in your own head of how you get past that? Do you just say, right, I'm going to do that? Um, I think I'm quite stubborn. So I have a natural thing where if I don't know how to do something, I can't leave it at that. I have to know how. Mm. <laughs> I can't just not know something. Um, and that applies to absolutely everything. Like if I can't fix my car, I need to learn how to be a mechanic because mm. I need to know the information. So I think that that has helped me. Um, and then I just, I think experience has now taught me that there is so much magic on the other side of our, like the other side of our comfort zone. And if you're just yeah. willing to get outside of it, you will always find the rewards like tenfold for the energy you put in. And the worst that can happen is what we feel scared or uncomfortable. And actually I was already feeling scared and uncomfortable the second I thought about doing a podcast and then didn't do a podcast and resented the fact that I couldn't do a podcast. So I might as well feel all those feelings, but have something to show for it at the end. Yeah. And look where it's taken you. Well, exactly. And so then you didn't stop there. So then the next step of being kind of out of your comfort zone, I guess, was, was writing the book. Yeah. Do you know, and I thought that that would be my comfort zone because I'm very at home if I'm writing. Yeah. Um, that is my favourite way to communicate. I wish we all just wrote letters to mm. one another. Um, so I thought it would be fine. But what I hadn't really banked on is everything I'd written before 
was digital and I can always change that you know if you write a blog post and then your views change there's nothing to stop you going back in and editing it if you write you know a class I teach online classes and the the systems change or your guidance needs to evolve you can go in and update it but with a printed book once it's out there in the world in people's hands there is no going back mm. and that was paralyzing for quite a while for me. There was a lot of days where I just sat with my hands on the keyboard and an empty screen in front of me trying to wrestle with this fear that, I think it was really a fear that, you know, I would hurt someone. I would say something that was unintentionally like offensive or misinterpreted and have no way to fix it. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, I was writing about Instagram. So it was, and I'm not generally an offensive person. Yeah, so it was, it wasn't, you know, so far touch wood, it hasn't happened. But that is, that is the fear, I think, whenever we put ourselves out there in the world. Yeah, and I think particularly on social media is that, that, that feeling of vulnerability, isn't there? We are putting ourselves, yeah. especially as you say, well, you know, if you're authentic out there, then you are in a vulnerable position. Yeah, because criticism on your work is kind of criticism on you. Well, that's how it can feel. It's very difficult to keep the two apart when it's this whole idea of like a, a personal brand. Yes, yeah, completely. And, and how do you, because you now live in Yorkshire um, and, and I'm a fellow Yorkshire girl, so I know how beautiful it is around <laughs> here. Um, and it can be really quite a quiet pace of life. How, does, how do you kind of balance your quiet peaceful home life to juggling all the other things that you do because it's a quite a juxtaposition isn't it of being out there in such a public way on social media to then having a really private quiet life yeah and you know I think for me that's the perfect balance that is exactly what I needed if I had mm. a busy hectic urban city life not that those two things have to go together of course but for me they kind of did when I was younger then I think I would struggle to be able to kind of manage all the different dynamics within my business that are a bit more active and demanding. Mm. Um, and like, I, I was just saying to my husband the other day, cause normally for work, there's a couple of days a month I have to go down to London, I have to get the train and do the whole London thing. And now because of COVID it's not been happening and it just feels unthinkable. Like I do not miss it mm. one bit. And I like it when I'm there, but I do not miss that hustle and that bustle being able to have this quiet secluded life and then have the public persona online means that kind of it's almost like the best of both worlds and I can have as much of each as I want and kind of control it turn the taps off and on if that makes yeah. sense yeah no it does and, and it's, it surprised me actually because I'm obviously for my work I go down to London quite a lot and I yeah. do love it but I have got used to the fact that I've just been staying at home and in Yorkshire and actually I've I found I've been much more productive by being at home than actually rushing around and going to London all the time which has quite surprised me really. So interesting. How I know you've written quite a bit about how people kind of done how you've felt during lockdown. Do you think it will change the way creatives work now that we're in a different position through lockdown? I feel like this is an industrial revolution that we're watching happen. I really don't think we can overestimate the impacts and how we're going to see that changing the way that we all work because it's completely normalized working from home for the majority of people it's normalized things like zoom um like you know meeting your friends on zoom for like a, a drink one night or it's just completely changed how these things that previously were a little bit more fringe a little bit more like what you, you talk to your friends on the internet you know any real friends now people understand that it's the same thing. And 
what I kind of love about it is I know a lot of us creatives, I don't know if you consider yourself an introvert, Rachel? I'm a mix. I'm a real funny mix. There's two sides to me. I am a real good combo. I love (laughs) my own space and my own time and I'm quite happy being at home producing the podcast myself and working on things, but then I do need that fix of getting other humans yes yeah yeah, what's been really nice for those of us who are kind of more pure just introverts is I think lockdown life has actually suited us better than it suited extroverts Mm. and normally it's the other way around if you think about conventional workplaces or even just conventional life it's very much geared towards people who like going out who like noisy bars who like face-to-face meetings who like all of that human contact and now it's the extroverts who are struggling at home because they can't have it. And the introverts, we're all like, finally, some peace and quiet. I can get on with stuff. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was talking to another photographer called, a lady called Margaret Soraya, who lives um, up on the Isle of Skye towards that direction. And she said exactly the same thing. She said, this has been an absolute godsend for her. She's, she's absolutely loved it. And she's, she's achieved so much and she's felt yeah. so comfortable. And yeah, other people that are just desperate to get out there. Being an introvert, then how how difficult is it to then put yourself out there and go do these big speaking events that you do? Because I know you have travelled around the world doing these speaking events. How comfortable are you doing that kind of thing? I'm not at home on a stage. Mm. Definitely would not describe myself as someone who like enjoys public speaking. I know those people exist. Um, But what I do really enjoy is that connecting with other people I love being able to kind of share my teaching with a wider audience because really what I'm sharing is the stuff that I wish someone had told me so Mm. I I love having the ability to take that message further and help other people feel empowered to to make changes in their working lives or creative lives Um, so that's kind of the thing that gets me through it I think along with that stubbornness of like oh I'm not very good at public speaking in my mind so I need to keep pushing myself until I figure that one out. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you actually is about, you know, you could have so easily, you know, achieved what you've done and kept all this information to yourself, but you have chosen to very openly get out there and encourage other people to use their creativity and to connect with people, which I think is a really important thing, but you could have so easily not done that. So why did you decide that that was the route you were going to take? I think it's just in my nature. Like as soon as I realised all the thoughts I'd had before were just nonsense and had been mm-hmm. held back by, by everything, like right from like, I think our education system and the way we, we see creativity within that, the conversations you might have, like formative relationships, just all of that stuff. I got to the top of this huge mountain and was like, why did no one tell me this was possible? Why does no one tell anyone that this is possible? So from that point on, I was just on a mission mm-hmm. to make sure as many people know that they can do it as I can reach. At what point did you think, hang on a minute, I'm really onto something here, I can stop working for the NHS and, and, and really make a go of this? Was there a kind of pivotal moment where you think, this is it, I've got to go for it? Uh, I had it quite early on, I think. Within a few months, I was like, this has got traction and this has got value. And I mean, we're talking seven years ago, there was no influencer economy. Mm. People weren't making money off Instagram. And I remember going back to work and saying to my friends, like, I don't think I'll be back very long because I'm going to make something of this Instagram thing. And lovingly, they all thought I was completely loony. (laughs) That's not a thing. Um, So it took me a while to figure out how, like what that was going to look like in practical terms. And I had to be quite proactive. I had to pitch. I had to do things that no one else was doing at the time. Mm. 
but it was less self-belief because I know back then that was in short supply for me. I think it was more belief in the platforms and in the technology. I've always been like very pro tech. I've been an early adopter of all sorts of things and I could just see where it was going. And I thought, you know, this has got legs and I'm, Mm. I'm going to ride it because I can tell where I can tell it's going somewhere good. I mean, you you were you were one of the, the like you said one of the, the kind of first people that really took to it and and, the, and they really embraced you on Instagram. Do you think it's still the same platform? Do you think that it's still feasible for for new people coming on Instagram to be able to create their own space, or do you think it's very oversaturated? I think both things are true. It is, of course, it's in many ways, it's unrecognizable. The simplicity back then, all you could do was post a square photo. You couldn't mm. even do a rectangle and you had like so many lines to put your texts in and there was nothing else, no stories, no live, no reels, nothing. But it absolutely is still possible to grow today. And what the beauty of those extra elements is, means is people can find their own way to shine. There's not only one way now through a a static image you can come across in all sorts of different ways and so we can all find people who create content that resonates with us in different ways too and so yes it's busier yes it's noisier yes it's harder to stand out but the same principles that applied back then apply now and it's all about the value you're offering and the interest you're creating and if you can nail those two things you will grow on any social platform at any time. And I know now you, you, you help people do that. You've run courses, don't you, to help people to understand and figure out their kind of place on Instagram and how they can grow. How's that, how's that evolved? Again, like it's had to keep on changing. It is a bit frustrating to write a course on Instagram because just as you finished it, and I, they all have audio accompaniment as well, so you don't have to just spend all the time reading. And I've just finished recording and editing and then Instagram will go, hey, new feature. And you're like, oh my goodness, I've got to start again. <laughs> Um, but that is also the fun of it and the challenge of it. And what's really interesting is like the, the main class I teach, the Insta Retreat, is a six-week class. And the first three weeks, pretty much the core content of that does not change. It's about how to m- figure out your value, how to create compelling content that people want to engage with, um, and how to kind of brand yourself so that it all feels aligned and like it's coming from one place that hasn't changed no matter what Instagram does. I don't think that will ever change. But then the following weeks where we get more tactical and we're kind of looking at strategies and specifics and algorithms and all that jazz, that's the stuff that updates constantly because Instagram is not a static platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I struggle to keep up with what's going on in Instagram and I'm, I'm learning all the time and I do love being on there, but it, it's, it is an ever changing arena, which I suppose is what makes it exciting. Yeah. And, you know, that is what means that there's always opportunities and potential, because even if one area, one market gets oversaturated, there's new stuff opening every single day and new opportunities to to shine. Where where do you see yourself kind of in the next five, 10 years? How would you like to see your brand grow? Oh, nice question. Um, So I have this kind of slightly crazy goal that I'd like to try and make a million in a year. But it has to be with the caveat that I make it without compromising on any of my values, without selling myself out. And that when I think of that, I don't know anyone who's doing that Mm. in my arena, who's making that kind of money without doing things that I'm not willing to do within my business. So that's kind of the goal. Um, Interested to see where it takes me and not really about the destination, like to be honest, Mm. a million is, is 
an arbitrary number, isn't it? It's just kind of an achievement based metric. Um, but I'm really fascinated to see what happens if I push myself a little bit harder to think outside of what I'm doing right now, because it's very easy to stay where we're comfortable, isn't it? And say, yeah. this is working. I don't need to change anything. But that's not how I built what I've got so far. And so I know I need to keep that growth mindset in order to keep challenging myself in different ways. I love that. I can't wait to see what you get up to then with those <laughs> that in mind. I mean, how difficult is it? I mean, I, I know from my own experience, how difficult do you find it kind of keeping true to your beliefs and your core brand and, and the authenticity of it? alongside the fact that there are brands out there that come to you and say you know we can offer you x amount of money because we want to work with you because we think you're fantastic it's really difficult balancing act really difficult and I am not saying I get it right all the time I think if anyone does then they deserve a medal because Mm. sometimes you only know where the line is because you've gone over it and you regret it so I'm hoping that with every time I kind of touch the fire and get burnt a little bit I'm getting much much better I'm getting sorry I'm getting much better at knowing where those lines are like some are really obvious of course like some you know so if someone came to you and said something that was violently against your values it's very easy to say no but sometimes you know you're not sure like I remember I took a sponsorship with Starbucks and some people were really like you know this is a terrible company and they do terrible things but when I did my research they also you know do a lot of good in the world purely for their corporate like image let's not kid ourselves but they are doing an awful lot of good in the world and by taking the sponsored work with them I was able to create a lot more free content for people who couldn't afford to pay me so that balance is kind of a constant struggle and I think we all have to find our own internal compass for it and the best way I know how to do that is to try and fail and try and fail and just keep improving yeah yeah absolutely and how do you how do you keep connected to your community once it gets to a level where it is so big? Do you still feel connected to your community? Has it changed? Have the people that follow you now different to the people that you started with, do you think? Oh, I think when I first started out, my community was probably a lot more parenting based because that was what I was sharing. And that was my daily life. Mm. And as my business has grown and as I've become more of kind of an educator around social media and business, I've definitely attracted more of an audience of that nature. And what's been fascinating is a lot of us have just done it together. Like there's a lot of us who weren't business owners at the beginning and maybe wouldn't even call ourselves creatives and have evolved through this process of social media to create these things in our lives. And of course, back seven years ago, there weren't really that many business owners on Instagram it certainly wasn't seen as a business tool so that's a whole demographic I think that's kind of exploded on Instagram in general Um, in terms of staying connected I think for me it's about the one-to-one like it's talking to people in my classes it's getting on a zoom call with the group and we you know doing live coaching replying to dms in my inbox like that's the place where I feel like I really get to know people um and without that, I don't think I could do the stuff like the podcast where it f- can feel very one-sided. Yeah. You know, you're just putting stuff out there and you've not really got a clue who you're talking to. But I feel like I do know who I'm talking to because of all the conversations I get to have with everybody everywhere else. Yeah, no, I can, and I can see that. And I can see, you know, from the people that leave comments on your posts, you can see that people are really engaged and completely invested in following your journey as much as enjoying the work that you put out there it's about the individual behind it as well isn't it yeah and hopefully it's about you know an example of what's possible I really hope people can look to me and 
see that actually you don't need to be an American with a trust fund and bags yeah. of self-confidence in order to make something life-changing for you and for other people. What surprised you the most about this whole journey? What surprised you the most about yourself and what you've achieved? Um, I think what it comes down to is all that time I spent trying to convince myself that I couldn't trust my own instincts and my own like gut check mm. was a waste of time and I should have been listening to it all along because I, I feel really feel like the first like 30 years of my life and probably everyone's life was spent we're being taught how to tune out our like instincts our gut instincts and for me what this journey has taught me is how to reconnect with it and it turns out I know the right decision like 90% of the time if I can just listen and I wish I'd had that for the previous 30 years yeah yeah I completely relate to that and it took me another 10 years after that to get to that point so you're doing quite well I think (laughs) (laughs) what's the best piece of advice you've been given along the way um I remember right at the beginning when I was deliberating leaving my job and worried about failing as we all do and a friend who's a psychotherapist and he said to me um you know even if you go and you do this for one or two years and you have a great couple of years and you make some money and then it dries up and you have to go back to your nhs job that's not a failure like you still had a great two years and that's a success and that it was like he flipped a switch in my brain when he said that to me and i was suddenly like oh yeah like failure is not something ending failure is not getting everything you can out of the experience and as soon as I started reframing things like that it became much easier to let myself try things and fail and learn from them that's so true and it's and I, I know I've talked to a lot of people particularly women in midlife that suddenly get this new fear of failure which stops them from trying different things and trying new things and it's about flipping that switch isn't it and changing things around and changing the way you look at it yeah why do you think that happens in midlife for women I think there's a, there's a huge loss of confidence. I think, um, you know, you go through that whole bringing up your children if you've got them and your role with your husband and the family can often be quite different and then the, the children mm-hmm. leave home and, it's a, and your whole role kind of, you need to adapt to a new role. And I think with that can often bring a sense of lack of confidence and feeling a bit sense. lost. So then, then fear sets in because you kind of become a bit more introspective yeah yeah, I think it's quite it's quite common but I think if you can get past that then obviously it can lead to such amazing opportunities so that was really great advice and that's fascinating my last question which I ask all my guests um because women are notoriously bad at accepting compliments (laughs) you could give yourself a compliment Sarah what would it be oh no okay (laughs) You're not going to let me get away with something really benign either, are you? (laughs) Um, I would say, (laughs) why is this so hard? Oh my gosh. Um, You know what I would tell myself I'm a good mother? Because, yeah, I think that's the one I'd need to hear the most right now as well. (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you so much. How can people find you, Sarah? So everywhere online, I'm still under me and Orla. Orla's my little girl, so hence the name. My website's meandorla.co.uk and my podcast and my book are both called Hashtag Authentic. 
And I must say, if you don't listen to it and you've not read the book yet, then please do so because I just can't praise it enough. I'm a huge fan. Thank you so much for spending time talking to me today, Sarah. I am delighted to have connected with you and I will look forward to your journey in the next couple of years to see where you go and uh, Thank just you, keep Rachel. doing what you're doing and keep inspiring other people because it's really, it's valuable and it's really important. So thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Well, I hope you found this week's episode just as inspiring as I did. I love his, listening to Sarah's story and her journey of how she's got to where she is. It really does encourage me and I hope others to realise that you can reach your dreams. You've just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and you don't know where you're going to end up. So it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to Sarah this week. If you'd like to know more about her, then don't forget you can look her up at meandorla.co.uk and you can also find her podcast, hashtag authentic, which I highly recommend if you're a creative and want to keep learning. And also she's written a book, hashtag authentic. So please go take a look. Uh, if you don't already know about Sarah, then somebody you probably should do. I will be back next week. If you're loving these podcasts as much as I am doing it, please remember to subscribe to the outofthebubblepodcast.com and you can also find me on Instagram at rachelperu1. And please, if you've got time, I'd love you to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. The more reviews I get, then the higher rankings I get, so then more people will be able to listen to it and find the podcast. So I really appreciate your time and effort in doing so. Have a great week. I'll be back next week. In the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to this week's Out of the Bubble. And I hope it's left you feeling inspired. I'd love to hear from you. Who inspires you and why? And if you're listening via iTunes, don't forget you can leave feedback. In the meantime, keep being fabulous.